fans, fans of the Pastor of Pain podcast and uh, radio Go Pokes. show. Go Pokes. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, football season's back. So is tailgate season. We're back, baby. Hey, if you want to come uh, to, I'll give you a, a, a sweetheart deal on a parking spot. $5,000, because that's what you charge. Uh, we charged, uh, I think we charged 30 But you're all th- sold out, right? No, we're not. No, we're not. You're uh, not? No. I, I thought you were, I told someone you were sold out. Oh, Dang. no, no, we're not. Well, you better go back and tell them, or you owe me 3000 bucks. I don't, I owe you nothing. I'll give you a sweetheart deal. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. The answer is yes, actually. So. I'll give you a sweetheart deal, 1000 bucks on a parking spot, and you can come over, and I'll even invite you to our tailgate. Hey, uh, speaking of football games, if people are in town, uh, there is Saturday night mass uh, based on the time of the game. So if the game is at 4 o'clock, mass is, uh, is right after that. Or and you can come to the well, real well, parish where we, act, where we have a set mass time that is not dependent upon the, the, the finalization of a football game. Yeah, but your mass attendance depends on that because if people are watching that game, you think they're going to show up here for 5 o'clock Saturday mass? Some. No, the numbers plummet. And it's a perfect storm because it's people. So like a couple weeks ago, the mass or the uh, the game was at six and our mass is at five. So not only is it people who are going to the game or associated with the game or want to watch the game, they're not coming. But then the people who want nothing to do with OSU football are not also not coming because they don't want to go out during mm-hmm. a game. And get stuck in traffic. So it is equally repulsive to <laughs> football and non-football fans alike. <laughs> but the mass goes on. The mass was celebrated by me reverently. Oh, yeah? Uh, me too. Me too. It's, it's JTM. You weren't there. You weren't Ours there. is ju- just the mass. It's like yeah. entrance antiphon. But people are stuck in that part of town anyway, so they just want to come to the most beautiful church in Stillwater and see it and pray there. <laughs> it's the newest it's the newest church in Stillwater speaking of donuts you can come to our church where we have working doors ouch <laughs> ouch hey I told you my joke about the architects last week you can come um, yeah I, I got come. Mo Blanchard uh, he lives up in St. Louis and I got a text message last week that was like, <laughs> this, that was, is like, I hope your architects weren't listening to that. And he are. says, and I said, well, the joke is actually about a contractor. But Justin and Tim, I love those guys. They work for Manhattan. I mean, they're just magnificent in taking care of this building and building it. Architects? That's going to be our new motto. St. Francis Xavier. At least our doors are. <laughs> <laughs> Although we actually don't like our doors very much. I believe it. I believe it. Okay, tell me about the but donut do. because you left me on a cliff. Oh my hanger. gosh. Listen okay. to this. Okay, okay. So this is absolutely hilarious. Okay, so. Did you take a picture of this sign? I or think what I one? have it. I do have it. This is great. Okay, last week we, we left you a cliffhanger about yeah, the sign about right. donuts. So two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was in, I made a very quick trip to Colorado Springs. Okay. So one of the things I do kind of on the side and as a try to be, you know, a service to the larger church, mm-hmm. we bring in speakers all the time. You bring in speakers all the time. Yep. So I try to be like generous if somebody asks me to go speak like somewhere else. Okay. So I tr- every year in our diocese, I do usually do yep. one or two parish missions. So last year okay. I did uh, Hartshorn and Pryor. And this year I'm going to go into Podo, 
Koto and Spyro and Stigler. Not to, I think in February, I think, sometime. Um, but anyway, so I do these like stewardship talks where I go talk about our parish's experience with stewardship, the ups and downs, time, talent, treasure, all that good stuff. So I fly to Colorado Springs. I give this talk, hang out for the day, meet a bunch of great people, learn about stewardship, and fly home at this parish where we were. Okay. Um, it, was their, it was in their parish hall. And they had this. What parish was this? I, I don't want to say. Oh, because I there, used to live in Colorado there was Springs. A sign, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you off the air. Oh, okay, um, great. It um, has a saint in the name. <laughs> um, no. Um, and here's, here's the sign in the parish hall. No. Okay. So m- most parishes after Mass serve like coffee and donuts. Here's what the sign said. <laughs> Inflation is impacting us all. Over the past year, the cost of donuts has risen from five ninety nine to eight ninety nine per dozen. Our weekly bill has increased from sixty five dollars to one hundred and seven dollars. Correspondingly, each one half donut increased from twenty three cents to thirty eight cents apiece. On average, donations range about twenty five to forty five dollars. For both masses combined, emphasis. Our finance committee must always look for ways to reduce the parish spending budget. Coffee and donuts is an easy target. Please help keep this meaningful community building ministry alive. They're trying, that's the sign. They're like balancing the budget of the parish On, on the donuts. Well, it's um, like it's a hundred. It's four hundred dollars a month. So it's it's another. Let's to eight. It's almost five thousand bucks. Okay. For coffee and donuts. Yeah. So if you're gonna cut five thousand dollars out, well, you're not gonna cut it out to the pastor's salary. Why not? Well, you should maybe take a thousand dollars out of the year. I see what happens. A stewardship way of life that we try to do here. You just can't nickel and dime people. I I agree. You can't. I mean, we don't do any fundraisers. We don't do second collections. Mm-hmm. You just let people be generous. Serve them well. Mm-hmm. Do awesome stuff. Yeah. I just don't get it. Well, it's uh, such a small mindset. We had this conversation at my staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. Someone put out a, bu- a cup, and there was $40 that showed up in it. Like, people paid for dinner. And I said... Actually, I don't want to create that environment. I, I want to create an environment where people feel like they're having a family dinner and you shouldn't have to pay at your family dinner. I agree with that. Yeah. When, and we do, when we do stuff, we, d- we simply put out a basket with a little sign and that's it. But there's no announcements about it. Mm-hmm. There's just, and people can, whatever. Yeah. And people, and, and this is what generosity begets generosity. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Uh, anyway, speaking of generous, I just thought that was hilarious. Speaking of generous, donuts are generous um, to my um, my future diabetes, so I'm staying away from them because mm-hmm. I, I like like not. There's also uh, coffee. Oh, I love coffee. I have a cup right there. Uh, something else that is generous is Jesus gave us His body, blood, soul, and divinity to eat and drink, and it is the year, three years. Of the Eucharistic revival. Oh. And now, you know, we've talked about doing a Eucharistic procession between the two parishes and that, that sort of stuff. So we're going to kick that can down the road uh, that we talked about. 
But I, what I find, um, especially amongst debating people on campus, is the origins of the teaching of the Eucharist. Uh, we, you know, we had our RCIA, um, of our Catholic, what we call Catholicism 101, our very first night. And it was a Q&A night. People and there was, I don't know, 35 people there. Oh, nice. We have, we have a good, I think we have 30 people in RCIA this year. Which is going to be I sweet. think we're about to set a uh, Stillwater record. Yeah. Yours and mine. Yeah, I hope we get to 60, 30 and 30. So we're blowing 30 up, for yeah. 30? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. The Including the guy in the t- Payne County Jail that just got received all his sacraments. What? That's so cool. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, in this, in this, people are asking questions about the Eucharist, especially even like the word communion. Like, well, um, and, and so we've, we've actually in our... People becoming Catholic. Yes, you're, you've been valentized. You've been baptized into another valid uh, baptism. But what were were you telling people is like, no, it's confirmation and first Holy Communion instead of just like I was confirmed. Like it was, I checked something like, oh yeah, I was confirmed. I confirmed I was here. I went on that rant when we were talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, in one of our podcasts. There is this very uh, important. A necessary, I'm not as eloquent as Harrison Garlic, conversation that needs to take place amongst the people to to re-evangelize them about where the Eucharist comes from. Yes, where and, does it and, come from? And so it's well, it's Jesus, but it's apostolic. You know, even the, oh, the teaching, from the yes, the, like the teachings of the uh, back the apostolic early days. Yeah, back to the early days of the church, back to the two, three, four hundreds of why that is. Um, why that is, it's it's the heartbeat of the church. You know, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, those three sacraments of initiation and how critically vital they are to to our lives. And we've talked about, you know, baptism a lot of, you know, why baptism is the freedom from the forgiveness of sin and our original sin is taken away. And that important moment when it's like, we are made sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. We are the sons and daughters in whom the Father delights. And then confirmation, you know, it's baptism, confirmation of not just confirming, but receiving the gifts of the whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit in my life, which is not just like I didn't receive it at baptism, but I'm, now I'm receiving these gifts for mission and to, um, to help the church grow. The Eucharist, like confirmation, is also taking a beating. Because people are saying, like, I, I don't believe in it. And I think it's, it's because we, we've lost the, the origins of what, it, uh, of what it is. Because, you know, in the early church, they would talk about it like Basil the Great, the receiving of, this, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then the Eucharist is feeding. They don't say it's like, oh, we're, we're just eating a bunch of bread. They talk about it in feeding on his body and drinking his blood. Feeding yeah, on they s- they're. I mean, this yeah. The beauty of the early church fathers on the Eucharist, one is their their ties. You know, we're talking about people. I mean, so we have writings of the apostles, including in the Bible. But then we also have the writings of people. You know, like one generation removed, yeah. people who were taught by the apostles. And what kind of language are they using? They're using the language of eating and drinking the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Not not in a symbolic way. Uh-huh. 
they're they're talking about being fed by the bread of life, by the bread from heaven. Um, they use the word Eucharist. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is early, early, early second century. That, that, that's right. And, and the Eucharist, where does the Eucharist come from? Um, so, I, I, you know, in preparation for this, we do a little research, and I was reading uh, the Summa. And I know we talked about doing, like, going back to the early church. But what's so great about Thomas Aquinas in the Summa is he's pointing back. He doesn't start, like, here. It's... Um, this is Article Four of the uh, um, the Third, uh, the Tercera Partis. I failed Latin twice. I can always pull that trump card out. The Tercera Partis, and Thomas points about to, to back to um, um, to Saint John Damascene, which is one of the Eastern Fathers, and his and his point is that he says that that the Eucharist has this threefold communion aspect. He says the he says it's very significant in that. First, it's of the past. He's pointing back to um, the Lord's passion, the Lord's sacrifice, that the Eucharist is a participation in the one true sacrifice of Jesus at the Last Supper, the one true sacrifice that is living even on the cross, that those, those two are one events. They're not like, oh, well, his Passover meal and his cross are two different events. No, yeah. they're, they're, one, yep. they're one event. There, and he says... There's a second meeting, and St. John Damascene calls it um, communion. It is called communion because we communicate with Christ through it, both because we partake of his flesh and Godhead, and because we communicate with and are united to one another through it. So, yes, we're being united in this, in this Eucharistic sacrifice to God, and we're receiving all these things. But then, as brothers and sisters, we're being united to each other because you, Father Brian O'Brien, and you, Rob Ponce, uh, as you receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, you're becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ by eating his body and drinking his blood. And then so am I. And so we're uniting ourselves together in this beautiful communion. And then he says this about the, about the Eucharist, uh, looping back to St. John Damascene, with regard to the future as a third meaning, that the sacrament foreshadows the divine fruition, which shall come to pass in heaven. And according to this, it is called viaticum, because it supplies the way of winning there. And in this respect, it's also called Eucharist, that is, good grace, because the God of gra the, the grace of God is everlasting, or because it really contains Christ, who is full of grace. And then this is going to lead us, John, yeah. John Damascene, is to our assumption. Say, say John Damascene says like... Our yeah, assumption? Yeah, like how are you going to... Because you're going to be assumed into heaven. Like you're going to be raised from the dead. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's not... I mean, Mary The resurrection is, of the dead, we say that in the creed. Yeah, exactly, which is an assumption. Which not is an assumption, like I'm assuming it's going to happen, but we are going to be lifted up, assumed up. Uh, so the, the, the Eucharist is not just something that... We sort of like dabble in theologically. The Eucharist is God. Yeah, is we, Jesus the source, source and summit. Yeah, yeah. As Vatican II says, the source and summit of Christian life. So I love. Yeah. You know, we 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 talked about this a couple of years back, I think. But the just the idea yeah. that Catholics should have great confidence 
in our teaching on the Eucharist, Jesus' teaching on the uh-huh. Eucharist, that the church continues to profess. Um, because it's not something that, it's not a recent phenomenon. So you can go and look, and there's a wonderful website. Uh, you can just, just Google Fathers of the Church on the Eucharist. Yeah. Fathers of the Church on the Eucharist. And what you'll see, I'll just read through a few great saints. So we have this, there's a document called the Didache. It's from the first century, the, yeah. the 90s, AD 90, all about the Eucharist. St. Ignatius of Antioch in 110, Justin Martyr, mm-hmm. who died in 165, Irenaeus of Lyon, of Lyon, who died in 202, Tertullian, who's not a saint, not a saint, Origen, not a saint. Those guys died in the 250s. Clement of Alexandria, 216. Cyprian of Saint Cyprian of Carthage, 258. Yeah. The Council of Nicaea, which was 325. Uh, Saint Ephraim, 337. This is a long time ago. Athanasius, Cyril of Jerusalem, Basil the Great, Gregory of Nazianzen, Gregory of Nyssa, Theodore of Mopsuestia, my favorite one to say, <laughs> um, John Chrysostom, and all of these quote after quote after quote about eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood. Ambrose of Milan, who designed your church. Uh-huh. Jerome, Augustine. I mean... The and, list goes on. So that was like, I don't know, it's like 14 pages of quote after quote after quote of everyone who lived like before 450. Wow. They're all over it. They're all over it. It is what the early church believed. Yeah. And if you read these guys, they don't mess around. (laughs) They say things like, and if you don't believe this, then do not call yourself a Christian. Yeah. Well, St. Thomas Aquinas, he's making reference to the early church fathers, and he makes, he asks the question, is, um, is the Eucharist necessary for salvation? And the answer is yes. And the reason why yeah. is because it's supposed to make your body prepared for heaven. And so you need these things to, uh, to have. Yeah. And if people are like, well, I don't believe in it. I was like, well, okay, well, you better do this. Um, this, is, this is the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Do not now regard as bread that which I have given you, but take, eat this bread of life, and do not scatter the crumbs for what I have called my body, that is indeed. One particle from its crumb is able to sanctify thousands and thousands and is sufficient to afford life to those who eat of it. Take, eat, entertaining no doubt of faith, because this is my body. Who said that? Um, St. Carrie of Tulsa. Heretic. St. <laughs> Ephraim the oh, Syrian. Oh, Ephraim the Syrian, yeah. So even these, these saints you, that you, maybe you've never heard of, right? But read, so go in the Old Testament, and you'll read about the bread from heaven. Go in the Old Testament, and you're going to read about how God provides food for his people. Go in the Old Testament and read about yep. the sacrifice mm-hmm. of Abel mm-hmm. and Abraham 
and Melchizedek, the high priest, yep. right? You're going to see all of this stuff about the sacrifice. You're going to see about how God feeds his people. And then you're going to go to the New Testament, and you're going to see Jesus, um, the miracle of, of the feeding of the, of the 4,000 and the 5,000, right? God yeah. feeding his people. You're going to go and you're going to read John chapter 6, and you're going to see um, this, what we call the bread of life discourse. Jesus saying, this is my body. I am the bread from heaven. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you yeah. do not have life within you. Right? Then you're going to go and you're going to read anything related to the Last Supper, where Jesus says, this is my body, which will be given up for you. Then you're going to go and you're going to read St. Paul to the Corinthians, and you're going to read all about how you may not partake of the cup yep. and, 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 the, and, and, the, and the host unless you are, I forgot how he says it, but like you have to be in, in the right state of, we would say now, state of grace, all over the place. You're going to see that. And then these early church fathers, they pick up the ball and they keep right on rolling. All the way through the ones we just heard, that gets you through about 450 years after Jesus, after Jesus' resurrection. And there's more after that. All the way up to Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, um, all the way up to the Council of Trent in the 16th century, all the mm -hmm. way up to the Second Vatican Council in the 21st century, or the 20th century, all the way up to the National Eucharistic Revival Oh, in yeah. 2023. And, and you can also find, as I was told recently, there's many orphan saints out there, saints that no one really knows about. And those, some of those saints have some really beautiful oh, work. Oh, there's so much stuff. Yeah. On, 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 the, on the Eucharist of Jesus either telling them both um, through a life of prayer and also, I would say, then theologians who have then taken all of these works and built upon them. The, I think, it, well, you know when we talked about books last week? I recall. Well, so last week we talked about books and like either audio books or reading books is um, dumbing of the mind. It, it's something that um, I think one of the great benefits of Twitter is it killed boredom. Wait, never mind. I said that wrong. One of the terrible side effects of Twitter is that boredom was killed. And when boredom died, the imagination and thinking died with it. Because we've been giving all these really cool stuff and this technology and ideas. It's because people were bored and they sat around and they thought about this and they put pen to paper. And when there's no boredom, there's no thinking. And when there's no reading and studying, there's no intellectual nourishment that is taking place in between our ears. And when there's no intellectual nourishment, there's no thinking about these things. And so it's no wonder that people are like, yeah, I don't believe in the Eucharist. It's no wonder they don't believe in baptism. No wonder they don't believe in the sacrament of confirmation. Because why? Because they're just not, they haven't taken the opportunity to even study or think. Oh, yes. Study and then allowing the mind to wander. It goes instantly to social media and you, you, we come home from work and we plop down, and I'm guilty of this occasionally, plopping down and turning it on to TBS on Tuesday nights and watching baseball. It's like, I just, like, 
I, I want to watch baseball and, you know, some satellites beaming down junk to me. And then there's no baseball. Baseball is not junk. Well, there's no, the baseball's not on. And then I have to watch. You take that back. Cops from 1996. Mm, that's junk. <laughs> Uh, you know, it is junk when Boston and Houston are playing and it says, not available in your region. That is junk. Thank you. Blackouts. Oh, the worst. Ridiculous. And, and, yeah, they've, the, like, I'm going to do a whole show on Major League Baseball and their dumb broadcasting policies. I know. Can hardly get a game on the radio. Yeah. I just want to listen to Jordan Alvarez hit bombs. I just want to listen to the Astros take over first place from the Rangers and the Mariners. That's what I want. Oh, boy. But no, I can't have it. You know what I can't have, though? The Eucharist? The Eucharist. Every day. And it's great. So I, what I, a gift. I, I would encourage people, you know, in this, in this season of Eucharistic Revival, if you, if you don't even know what's going on or you're out Oh, there, it's going on. You're out there in Frederick, Oklahoma on what's a combat. That? Frederick, Oklahoma? Where's that? Pretty Oklahoma's in, uh, east of Altus. Oh, it's the it's the it's the bridge. There's like I think there's two bridges you can cross coming in from to get Oklahoma us, to Oklahoma. I didn't mean to get us off on. Uh, you can cross the river, the Red River, and one is in Frederick, and then one's like 40 miles east of there, somewhere between Frederick and Wichita Falls. Uh, okay. But anyway, no matter where you are, I mean, maybe maybe you're in Colera, Oklahoma, and you're listening to this, and you're thinking. What? The Eucharist? What is that? Just take a deep dive like into this, this beautiful gift that Jesus has given of, of his body, blood, soul, and divinity uh, for us to eat and drink. And, and so to, to allow, and like the early church did, to think about these things. That's what I love, you know, when I've been watching Mars rise in the morning at 5.30 when I'm out on a run or a long walk or something like that. And to watch Mars rise and think, think we put things up there on Mars. That is amazing. Like, we put stuff there. I, you know, I didn't realize until a couple months ago uh, that, you know, um, we know there's Chinese astronomers that discovered that there is like this invisible barricade around the Milky Way that keeps gamma rays from coming through. Thank goodness. Well, like, well yeah, exactly. Thank good. Thanks be to God. What because, do gamma rays do? Oh, uh, gamma rays kill people. Anyway. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're bad, bad, real Would bad. Would it give me a good tan? Um, it's like climbing in your microwave and turning it on high for five hours and staying Is in that there. bad? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Should Plus, I not have done that? I don't know if your head would fit into a microwave, Father O'Brien. Well, it depends how big the microwave is, <laughs> I, mean, I suppose. If it's one of those little kitty ones you can make cookies in when your sister was like... Easy bake oven? Easy bake oven. Definitely not fit your skull <laughs> into there. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you can probably put a foot in there. <laughs> easy bake oven. Oh, my gosh. Easy bake oven. Okay. So we've had all these opportunities uh, throughout history just to stare at the heavens and think about mathematics and think about science. This is the time for us not to just... Um, stick our minds into TVs and into movies and, you know, Disney Plus or, you know, even if it's Net Geo, it's like, ESPN oh. ESPN Plus? ESPN Plus 2. Put it to the ground. This is what I've been reading about. You know, we were talking about books last week. Yeah. This is what I've been reading yeah, yeah. about in my book about Catholic education is that we've lost the sense of wonder. Yeah. That one of the things we can do for our children is to reinvigorate the sense of, of wonder. Yeah. 
Wonder and Adventure. That's what that uh, I may mention that book last Ooh, that's week. That's where your books and my books are coming together. I know. You're it, reading about adventure and I'm reading about wonder. Yeah. Also the 100 greatest baseball players. <laughs> I wonder who that is. But that's the comfort crisis. The comfort crisis is we plop down in front of digital screens and we sit in our comfortable houses and we park in our cars in our comfortable parking garages downtown. We have tinted windows. Everything is comfort, and suicide rate is skyrocketing. And it's like, why? Because of that, though? I, I think so. What's the connect? I don't get it. I don't get the, because we're comfortable, we want to kill ourselves? No, no, no. We're comfortable so that there's, we're, we're very, we're, we sit right here, and we don't do anything. Oh, maybe it's, it's that we're comfortable, and so then any, any discomfort is so repelling yeah, I mean, that you go, we got to get out of it. Someone goes through the drive-thru. And it doesn't show up uh, immediately fast. It's like, or the or the water heater doesn't work, or you know, someone cuts you off driving down the road, and you, we snap. It's like, well, we have no discomfort. You know, I I spent a day and a half in the Frankfurt airport, standing in line, one day for fifteen hours and one day for eight, and it was very uncomfortable. Take up your cross and follow me. Yeah, says the Lord. and so when you're very comfortable, you look at the cross and say, I don't really want that. Seems uncomfortable. Seems very uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable up there. Uh-huh. So did the Nagasaki martyrs, and they were like, hey, let me tell you what's going oh. on. So anyway. Blessed Stanley Rother, he was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Pray for us. Wow. Okay, we're getting to the end That's of this. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Okay. Are we too comfortable? Yep. Well, anyway... This brings this show to an end. You people, and wow. enjoy the week. Go, folks. Go, don't folks. forget to pray for us. Go visit. Cowboys. Peace.